You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That ain't that what we're supposed to do? It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. Personal responsibility, political accountability, and corporate culpability. Get up, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up. We must eliminate poverty. I don't care what color the person, a child. Conversation 
Um, it's one that is dear and important to me as well as a pro-life advocate. Um, I'm about strengthening families and making sure we have strong families. So I'm excited to talk about this. All right. Well, we're going to start the way we always start. Is abortion a women's only right? Is this morning's discussion question if you're a first-time listener. Again, I go by Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I always like to let first-time listeners understand. We always take, the, in a sense, the Socratic method to trying to find solutions to some of these discussions near and dear to us when it comes to necessary conversations on race, sex, and culture. And so we ask a question, ask a bunch of questions, hoping to, in a sense, find some middle ground in our dialogues. And so while I, in a sense, pit it, if you will, Latrice, quote-unquote, versus Janelle, it's not that at all. We're going to have an open and honest dialogue. <laughs> People represent their positions, and we try to listen to each other, even if we walk away feeling, you know, different, or maybe we learn a little something about because I always say the answer is in the middle. So with that said, um, Latrice, I'll let you start off the way we always start off. When you heard the question worded this particular way, just tell me your very initial thought, not the second and third thought, but just the initial thought when you heard it worded particularly this way. Um, but it, it really wasn't a, um, a long thought this time because it's something that I've been it's this dialogue I've been engaging in now for several weeks. Um, and so I just, in my head, I thought, um, well, perhaps an opportunity to um, share some information that perhaps hasn't been shared um, or, or share it in a way in which it can be received. So. Sounds good. Um, Janelle, when I tagged you, again, you supported this show for many of years, and I got you. You know, with your busy schedule, I was able to get you on. So thank you again for making you know making available your opportunity to come on with us. Um, your first thought when you heard it worded this particular way, because obviously this issue, as you said, is a concern of yours. But when you heard it worded mm-hmm. this way, what was the initial thought? Do you recall? Yeah, I do. When I heard it worded that way, the first thing I thought was um, absolutely not. This is not a woman's only discussion because it doesn't take it takes more than just a woman to create a child. So. Um, I think when we, if the moment we step out of the, the singular mindset of, which I consider a very selfish mindset, that this is something that only affects me because I happen to be the individual that's incubating the, the human being inside of me, then um, I think that then we can finally step into a space where we're looking at this from a holistic and family perspective and not from a singular perspective. So I, I absolutely think that this is an issue that is, not for women only. No, I appreciate those thoughts. And for all the listeners out there, and I'll share this with y'all both, too, as well as um, I didn't share this before the show, but um, I'm actually going to go commercial-free for this first hour so we can really maximize this discussion. And so for my sponsors, I owe y'all an extra week, so I'll keep that in mind if any of my sponsors are out there listening. Uh, but uh, with that said, um, yeah, we're going to do this dialogue straight through. I'm going to give a little insight behind, in a sense, trying to word the question that way just to you know bring some context. And so – Clearly, abortion, as as you said, Janelle, it involves more than just a woman, if you will. But here's something that pops in my head after, if you will, the Roe v. Wade decision at the Supreme Court. Um, Latrice and I, we've already had a discussion just to give you know some, some more about, about that decision. We actually did it before the decision was made, and that dialogue was more or less, what does that look like for the African-American community, how can we prepare if this decision, in fact, does come down? And so we had a, just a dialogue about you know, the messaging from from this time period, and hopefully we'll get into a little bit of that today. Uh, but anyway, I say, I say all of this to say um, the insight from the women's only thing is, as a brother, as a black man, if you will, sometimes 
Um, there's this concept of, you know, do African-American men, do men stand with our black women enough? And so I sometimes see this abortion issue couched in, you know, in a sense, standing with the black woman. And so as a man, I don't know if I fully understand that. So there's a little bit of curiosity for me to understand how women, y'all definitely on different sides of this, can see this differently. So just in the sense, if I could simplify it down to, and I want to hear both of your perspectives on this, but I'll start with you, Janelle, as a special guest um, in this sense. Um, how do I, as a black man, stand with the black woman from your perspective when it comes to abortion? And Latrice, I'll ask you the very same question after she answers. I think um, uh, the black man stands with the black woman when, uh, by, by, by understanding that when you engage in sexual intercourse, a child can be uh, the, out, I said the output of that action. Um, I think it starts there. Number one is, is deciding that you're going to be responsible from the moment you engage with the woman until whatever the consequence or the outcome is. And I, I, so I think that's where how a black man can support the black woman during this time. Um, we um, are adults, and we should be making adult decisions. I know that um, the argument on the other side, typically whenever I start talking about responsibility, the, the next thing that I hear is, what about, you know, rape? Or what about incest? Well, we know that rape and incest make up less than 5% of all abortions. So that other 95% is due to convenience. And the, and, and the percentage of, um, of people who um, engage in, in sexual activity is so high that I think we all should know that this is an outcome. So um, the number one way a man can, a black man in particular, can stand with a black woman is by, number one, in, in taking on equal part responsibility when intercourse happens. That's just okay. one. Yeah. I can go on and say more, but no, 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 it's going to no, take no, no, time. No, no. I want to jump to Latrice and hear her perspective again when it comes to the abortion issue and me as a black man sincerely asking, how do I stand with the black woman you know, with the, in a sense, this new landscape. And let me always clarify, I always like to clarify this new landscape uh, with the Supreme Court decision. The clarity is that basically, just, I'll just, just to get something real clear, and then I'll let you answer, Latrice. The clarity that I always want to make sure people understand is basically it was a constitutional law shot down saying the, the federal court should not be involved in this, so it's left to states. So we're probably going to see anywhere from a 26 to 24 or 30 to 20 split on the states that allow for abortion and those that don't. I forgot to say that in the beginning, so I just wanted to kind of get that clear because sometimes people hear this new decision and think abortion is going to be banned everywhere, and right now it's left to the states from what I understand. But with that said, Latrice, the question to you as a black man, how do I stand with a black woman in this situation? Because the reality is this abortion discussion hits different for our community, I think. Go ahead, Queen. Um, I think that they can stand with the black woman by listening and understanding. By, by, and when I say listening, I don't mean hearing, so you can formulate your response, but I mean really listening and understanding her perspective, understanding the risks that go along with it, understanding the challenges that go along with it, and, and more importantly than, not, than anything else, I think understanding that um, black women are full human beings, and we are capable of making quality decisions about our lives, recognizing that 
we don't know the future, and it is oftentimes uncertain, especially in the black community, um, understanding the situation that they as a couple or as two singles who came together and procreated, um, understanding the situation that they're in, and understanding the long-term outcomes for any decision they make about their future with or without um, having a child. So I, I think more often than not in our community, we get so in, involved in going back and forth um, with our own perspective, never pausing to take the time to really understand the other's perspective. And I also think that's important for women to, under, you know, to get a man's perspective because it did take two to procreate. But ultimately, I think that's, that, that final decision is up to that woman and to support her decision because it's not one that's made lightly in most instances. Absolutely. I can respect that. Here's my thought that just pops in my mind that I always have seen floated over the years uh, because, you know, this has been an issue in our country for, for lots of years, even the decision back in 73, you know, for Roe v. Wade getting um, – you know, in a sense, approved, I'll say approved at that time or whatever. This has been an ongoing issue. But the thing I've heard most of my life is this idea that uh, what we're seeing now is a man's attempt to control a woman's body, or maybe maybe man's not the right word, maybe it's to put in the context of the government trying to control a woman's body. As a man, I don't quite understand why it is put in that context. I'm going to start with you, Latrice, and then um, Janelle after that. Go ahead, Latrice. Um, it is when, – when I – did you say Latrice or Janelle? I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You go ahead first. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, I think when we think about that that statement and when we compare it to when we think about statements that were made when abortion when, when this whole push to make abortion um, illegal began um, decades ago, um, they didn't believe that a woman had the mental capacity um, to make the decision. She was um, they disqualified it because she was subject to uterine excitement um, is the phrase that they used. Um, I don't think when we hear their commentary today, not much about their perspective has changed. I mean, it, it was into the 80s when women could, late 70s, early 80s, when women were even trusted to be fiscally responsible enough to get a credit card, uh, sorry, purchase a home in their name. So there are so many instances in history where there are there have been attempts to control a woman's body, and by by Taking away a woman's right to choice, you are once again saying you don't know how to make the best decision for your body, so let us help you. Okay. Um, let me say this real quick, and you can get a quick response, and we'll go to Janelle. So given the history you just gave me, can you understand that in 2022, I'm 48, just to give some context, so people that are older than me may be more familiar with some of the context that you're giving as far as the history goes. As a man growing up currently, I'm not aware of that history. So can you understand that as a man, I've never understood the context of why it was called that because in a sense, growing up in this era, we don't see it as we're trying to control your body. I'm talking about, you know, let me say this real quick for anybody out there listening. I too am, Pro-life. I'm not. I'm kind of in the in the middle of this, and y'all will hear more about that later in the show. 
But just as a pro-lifer, I still never understood that concept of, you know, that me as a man, I'm trying to control your body. Can you understand that context for somebody who doesn't have the history that you just gave or why it would be hard for us to grasp that we're trying to control your body? Can you at least understand that's what, that's, that's something I just never understood why it was called that? Does that make sense? Okay. Uh, to you, I, I, I definitely understand that, and that's why when you asked me the first question, I mm. said to listen to understand. And understand all of the nuances that that go into this, and even really listen to the rhetoric that's being being tossed about in, in the media today, and you'll hear um, the types of comments that are being made. And, and and I'm talking about the politicians who make the decision. I'm not talking about the folk on the street who have their varying perspectives. If you listen to the perspectives of the politicians that are making the decisions, there is control. In, those, in many of those comments. But if we remove our emotions, which I know is difficult, and listen with empathetic ears and engage in a bit of perspective taking, then perhaps there can be um, that we can begin to build a bridge of understanding why it's about control and why it's offensive to a woman to have to have the government um, rule that we can't control a system in our body, whereas a man is allowed to control all the systems in their body. It's no more, it's no less offensive, in my opinion, than having to have the government regulate that I can wear my hair the way that it grows out of my scalp. It's no less offensive than that. Okay. Um, Janelle, can you understand my confusion as a man, your perspective on that, Queen? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I was taking notes because there, excuse me, there was so much that was that was said. Um, but I want to start by saying that um, I don't think men are trying to control women at all. Matter of fact, um, there are a lot of women that are elected officials that are pro-life, and so this is not a man's decision. It's not a woman's decision. It's about making a human decision. Um, I also think that when we talk about listening with empathetic ears, that kind of stood out to me because I thought to myself that it's, it's hard, it, it seems like it's hard for people who are pro-choice to understand that we're empathetic to the child. You know, the idea of me being empathetic to the adult who's aware of their decisions, who has the capability to make the decisions, because I hear capability a lot. Well, on our side, we, have, we believe that a woman and a man, as a human being an adult, um, has the capability to make the decision between right and wrong. We are the side that is pushing for personal responsibility. Matter of fact, we want you to have more capability than what the capabilities than what you think you may have. See, when you have the government saying that this is a this is a right or a constitutional right, which is not true because nothing nowhere in the Constitution is abortion mentioned or anything like abortion mentioned. That's number one. But number two, when you're saying these are rights or this is something that a woman should be able to do. Um, then we totally agree. We think you should have 100% autonomy of your body, 100%. But what we are fighting for is to make sure that while you're making these decisions that, you know, I know um, Latrice said that women are capable of making quality decisions. If you're, while you're making these quality decisions, we want to make sure that you understand that a part of making a quality decision is not, produ- not, not creating another life that you're not prepared or ready to have. 
Today we have over 600, I'm sorry, we have over 500, close to 600 different forms of contraceptives that women can choose from. The list is endless, if you think about it, compared to what it was 50 years or almost 50 years ago. So at this stage, there should not be a situation where you are not, where you are not capable of making response, making the right decisions for your life. And I, and I also think that, um, you know, the, when everyone says that a woman should have the right to choose, I'm always confused as to who, wh- where that's coming from, because I don't know what choice is being taken away. Number one, there's no state that said that they were going to ban abortion. Georgia has not banned abortion. I put a heartbeat bill does not ban abortion whatsoever. Um, it just means that, which I, I personally am a, am a, 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 I'm a strong supporter of, you know, uh, no exception abortion. That's just me personally. But I understand policy, and policy is written for the majority. So if majority of um, the state says we want, you know, uh, abortion, then that's what's going to happen. If majority says, no, we want to have it with these exceptions or these limitations, then that's what's going to happen. It's all about giving, putting freedom in the hands of the people who will be impacted by the policy. So I think that we have to look at this from a, a, a very logical perspective and not from an emotional perspective. I know we like to they, they say pro-lifers are emotional, but I think pro-choice people are extremely emotional because every explanation is wrapped in a form of emotion. It's not a logical explanation because at the end of the day, a human being is a human being, and I'm not God. I don't get to choose whose life is valuable, whose isn't. So let me jump in right there, and this is just my personal quirk. Latrice has heard this before. This is the, one of the things that perplexes me when it comes to the two sides of this, and it's particularly the abortion issue when I look at, in a sense, how we understand both political platforms. In, in general, any, and anybody can be on any spectrum. As I call myself an independent, if you will. Uh, but anyway, with that said, I've always said when it comes to abortion, I actually literally don't understand why each side, based on your political platforms and the narratives that are t- typically understood by, you know, since the Republican platform and the Democrat platform, I feel like both sides should be flipped when it comes to logic, and and here's what I mean. So, in a sense, I feel like Democrats should be pushing for pro-life since they create a bunch of pro, generally they're thought of as the party that pushes programs to help people in the event that they fall on hard times, or in this situation, let's say you bring a baby into the world, and there's, in a sense, programs to help somebody out if they do, if they, you know, make this decision whether you think it's good or bad in a situation where they don't have the means to take care of the baby. So I feel like Democrats, in a sense, push platforms that would help you, in a sense, after the baby was born. And then I trip that the Republicans choose the the pro-life side based on that, generally speaking, you love for the government not to make decisions or whatever. You love for uh, people to, in a sense, have you know, their personal choice. So it just seems like it doesn't fit from a logic of all the issues. This is the one issue that for me, logically, both sides have it flipped. Um, I'll let you go ahead and um, respond to that real quick. Um, Danielle, cause that's what when you said, bringing up the logic. Mm-hmm. That's what came to my mind. Yeah. So I'll let you respond first. Then I want to hear Latrice after that. 
Yeah, I actually think that's a, that's a great, great question, and I'm, I'm so glad we're talking about this because I totally agree that, um, you know, let me say this. So, yes, Democrats typically push for um, the government to subsidize in areas that, you know, where, where we may be falling short, whereas the Republicans feel like we've created a number of opportunities that allows you to at least do the basics in order to create the life that you want to live. You know, when I see people who are being, and I know we're not talking about this, so I don't want to go detail into it, but just from the sake of, you know, the discussion, you said, when you were talking about programs, when I see people in line to get a program and that they don't have a savings account, that to me is a, it's an incongruent. You know, so I don't think we're doing that, that, that person as a service, we're doing them a disservice because we're not uh, putting them in a position where they're able to be self-sufficient. But... Um, but that being said, you know, it's interesting because the, the, the nonprofit organizations that exist, like the Pregnancy Aid Clinic and the, and the number of organizations that exist to support moms who find themselves in a position where they are not comfortable because they're now in a, a position where they're going to be a mom and they're not ready, those organizations are ran by pro-life individuals. So if it wasn't for the Republican Party, we wouldn't have any support there. So while I hear... Democrats, and not just Democrats, because there are some pro-choice Republicans, but when I hear people who are pro-choice saying things like, um, you know, what are we going to do about the kids that, you know, can't take care of themselves, I'm asking you, well, what are you going to do about it? Because you're the one that's supposed to be all supportive of the program, but you don't have one pregnancy aid center. I mean, the only thing that they have is Planned Parenthood, which is, is the, the number one source of abortion. So if your answer for bringing life into this world is to kill it, if it does not uh, fit in my life or my standard, then I'm confused as to why the reaction to poor, people who are poor, people who are homeless, why you don't have that same reaction. Because now we were subsidizing over here for these people, which are the people whose mom chose life. But then when a mom walks into the room and says, hey, I'm really scared, I don't have, uh, I don't know what to do. The answer is abortion. And the last thing I'm going to say is that I can back that up with stats because 40% of women who have abortions say that they didn't want to have an abortion, but they were, they were pushed in that direction from outside sources, from people telling them that they, because of their income level, because of their education, because of their environment, that they're not going to be a good parent. So then they choose to have an abortion. So the, the, the party of compassion is not very compassionate when it comes to these topics here. And so I'm, I agree with you. I think there is some things that are flipped or feeling like it's flipped. But most importantly, I just think that there's a lot of hypocrisy that's coming from the side of the tolerant and the compassionate. Uh, Latrice, do you understand my confusion in logic? This is the one issue that I, I still stand by. I don't see why each side is on their side okay. based on you know, okay. Yeah, I get it. I do understand that, and there's a lot to unpack here, so please be patient with me. I will. First, um, your comment was made about it being, um, it's about, it's a human decision. Well, until that child is able, until that fetus is able to be viable on its own, it's not a child. It's not a human. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a bunch of cells that are forming into a human. <laughs> um and, and it's ironic that, you know, you made the comic pro-choice pro is about being empathetic to the child. And the last time Janelle and I engaged in this dialogue, 
I actually told her that I, I believe that they are pro-birthers and not pro-choice, pro-life, I'm sorry, because of the reasons that you mentioned. And when we talk about um, personal responsibility, let, let's dig into that because when, when women, you know, and I know ultimately we're going to get to the point where, where we talk about the fact that it's more black women who have abortions than, than any other race. But there are reasons behind that. There are, you know, you mentioned contraception. There are tons of contraceptions. But black women are more likely than not to live in what's called contraception desert and are less likely to have access to health care. Why? Because our, our, our jobs don't pay enough. Um, wages have not kept up with the cost of living. So in order to raise a family now, oftentimes folks have to work more. They have to have the side hustles going on. Um, additionally, um, with regard to that, there's actually less comprehensive sex education in, in predominantly black neighborhoods, and, and that's a key factor, and there is research to show that that's a key factor in preventing unwanted pregnancy. Um, and, 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 and we have to talk about the underlying factors that contribute to a woman's decision to to have an abortion. And she mentioned some very superficial ones about other folk um, uh, trying to, to tell them that you're not ready or, or whatever the case may be. But at the end of the day, there are a lot of underlying systemic issues that create a situation where a black woman, when she gets pregnant, um, may not feel that she is capable to, to provide that child with the quality of life. And at the end of the day, one of the statements, one of the comments that I wrote down, we talked about personal responsibility. Why are we concerned with what other people do? Why are we concerned with the decisions that they make? And there is a constitutional right to privacy. And it is a woman's private decision what she chooses to discuss with her medical professionals that she engages with. It's not any of our business. It's not any of our business who someone decides to love. It's not any of our business whether, whether a woman decides to abort a fetus after she's gotten pregnant. All right. Thank you both for your thoughts. Let me ask for uh, one. Can I rebuttal? I just wanted to rebuttal just because I, I know you, I don't want you to ask another question and then we go into another topic and I don't get to. So let me, let me, let me, so, let me so say this. Let me just Jennifer, say that if we start doing the rebuttal, it's going to go yeah. back and forth and we're not going to yeah, do yeah, it. Yeah, so I'm yeah, sure yeah, I'll yeah, have yeah, a rebuttal. Yeah. Okay, so rebuttal. we're not doing rebuttal. Yeah. Okay, okay, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, I'm just doing, yeah, I'm just letting everybody get their thoughts out. People can listen, pick up what they want to pick from each other because I just want to kind of dialogue okay. through it. Yeah, versus just, I don't want to, I don't want, and I'm going to start, I'm going to open up the phone lines just in case some of you people are on the line want to get in. Um, I see y'all out there. Y'all can get in on this. We're trying to, we're just trying to have a dialogue through this thing that's just a little different than just whether we agree or disagree with abortion. So here's one thing that I remember you and I talked about, Patrice, um, the last time we had this discussion. And I was wondering if this might could be common ground because I, I personally think this would be smart in the sense of um, now, again, as we said, the states will decide for themselves and will probably be split about 50-50 in the country, maybe 60-40 or whatever, as far as which states allow it, which ones don't. But one thing that I would love to see, regardless of what your, what your state decides, I would like to see both sides, in a sense, agree to, at a minimum, Latrice, you mentioned this, is to put sex education back into the schools at the um, middle school, high, the later middle school ages and high school levels. Because I told you when we had that discussion, Latrice, I remember it being very effective when we were going through the AIDS 
um, crisis in the country. And I remember that being very effective. But over the years, it seems like the school systems have moved away from it. Um, I would like to ask, would y'all both agree, in a sense, even though y'all are on different sides of us, that that would be a common ground? Because this reality can affect, affect people regardless of which state you're in. You may move one day and that type of thing. So it doesn't matter if you're in a state that allows it or has a ban or not. But I could see how education could be very helpful because we are in a new landscape. And I'm hoping that's something that would be pushed literally by both sides because that just makes sense to me. Um, your thoughts on that, Janelle, if you mind. Again, it's just trying to find a little piece of common ground when it comes to the different sides. Um, so I I would be in supportive of sex education as long as it is properly monitored. I don't want to be educated on um, sex with um, uh, LGBTQ sex. I mean, I don't want to be monitored because what, what happens there is that we start talking about positions because there's nothing, there's no no, no procreation or reproductive aspect to it. So I, I, I think as long as we're talking about heterosexual sex education, because and only we, we stay on the side of reproduction and not on the um, <clears throat> the physical side of it, then, yes, I am 100% in support of that if that is what's necessary and what's needed. I, I, I'm more supportive of putting this is the power in the hands of parents. I'm more supportive of making sure that we create strong parents. You know, in the black community, I see a lot of people say things about being kings and queens, and I, I, I always ask myself, do the people that are saying this understand what that means? Because a king and a queen would never kill their offspring. And so that part is kind of is always a little interesting to me, too. Um, I, I have to say, but I have quick, to real add quick, that. Real quick, real quick. Wait. Because what you just said. I thought that, we weren't rebuttaling. Wait. Well, I, I'm I'm dialoguing with each of you. And so what I'm saying to you is just when you say that, I'm just curious at what makes you say that, because just me knowing history, that's not necessarily true, um, just in the sense that kings and queens wouldn't. I'm just wondering what made you say that. Just That just kind of threw me off a little Okay. So, well, what made me say that is because, you know, I'm thinking about it from a perspective of um, leadership, right? So, and, I, and I, I, when I look at kings and queens, because I've never been a king or a queen in the sense, in the literal sense of the term, um, and so I'm not talking about it from a perspective of like a just a, a long historical perspective. Right. I'm just talking about from the sense of leadership. So let me right. let me maybe I should say that instead of kings and queens, I should say that if we're leaders and we're supposed to be leaders, then as leaders we do not kill off our offspring because we ensure that we don't produce offspring that we're not willing to take care of. So, but that but again that may just be a perspective that I hold. But that's how I see leaders, and that's what I revere in, in, in a sense of leadership. But I, I, but I, but I, I just have to, I have to touch on one thing, and that's because I, and it's, it's actually a two-part, really quickly, because I, I want it's a question that I do have for Latrice, because I heard her mention contraceptive desert, and I, I do want to know what that is. This is the first time I've ever heard of that, um, because I know contraceptives, contraceptives, there's a lot of free contraceptives. And because Planned Parenthoods are located mostly in black neighborhoods, I don't feel, I feel like it's impossible to be a desert because if you have access to an abortion so readily, then I'm, I have a problem with you not having access to contraceptives. And if that is the case, I really want to look deep into that and I will get some organizations on that immediately because that is a problem um, when it comes to that. So I do want to, to hear what that is. And then I also want to say that the, the, the reasons that people are being told not to have children are not, they may be superficial, 
to, to you, Latrice, but they're not superficial in the sense that it's the com- most commonly used explanation is that you're not financially so able to take not? care of a child. Okay, so let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. So, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm confused. I'm question. Let's just go with the question. Let's go with the question. Yeah. Yes. Doing that. Okay. That's yeah, fine. I like I mean, that yeah. Let's go with the I question. Wouldn't. Okay. Well, yeah, we have because we're yeah. to turn it into a rebuttal, and I'm, I am trying to avoid that. So mm-hmm. let's go with that yeah. question because that's a again and I, a very and I, and I understand I understand questions and I'll respond to questions, but if it's about a rebuttal, because yeah, I can go I, back and say the question about the other. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're not doing. Yeah, that I right. mean, I, I it so, seems like I'm. It seems so, like I'm the only one that can't rebuttal. <laughs> Hold on, hold on. Be careful here. Let's mm-hmm. be fair. Latrice hasn't rebutted you once. So we're not, nobody's tried to rebut. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is, what I'm saying, but I, well, well, when I was, I was just making a statement, I got cut off in the middle of right, it right, from right. the Latrice. So, so yeah. And I cut you off because you were starting to rebut, and I didn't want to go down that path. No, I wasn't creating a rebuttal. I was asking a question because I never heard of contraceptive deserts, and I was asking that question, and then I was just addressing misconception. Well, because, you know, misleading people is, I'm not going to allow, I don't want to participate in a conversation where allowing misleading statements. I mean, Giselle, please listen, please, please listen. So I want her to answer your question. It was just the next part was going into the rebuttal. That's where we cut you off at. So I was just saying Well, yeah, because I was addressing a misleading statement. Okay, so I definitely want to That's the rebuttal. The and you actually made a misleading statement about Planned Parenthood. I would like to correct me. If I'm wrong, correct me. So <laughs> I don't think we should be saying wrong things. Right now, if we stop doing what we're doing, she's going to answer the question and we can continue the dialogue. So that's a very a great question, Janelle. So if you will, address that question. Because, again, that's something I've never heard of as well. So... Contraceptive desert is the same thing as a food desert, but just with birth control. And while we like to, there is this myth that Planned Parenthood are mostly in in, in black neighborhoods. Sixty percent of the zip codes that Planned Parenthood offices are in are not in predominantly black neighborhoods. And so there are issues with transportation. There are issues with many folk. Many of folks who are seeking abortions may already have children that they're having a difficult time taking care of. And it's often, in, in many instances, unless it's a condom um, and some other over-the-counter things which are not as effective as prescription-based contraceptives, there is a doctor's visit that is required. And there is often a fee that's involved, even if it's a low-cost fee to me, that low-cost fee may not be, it may not be low-cost to someone else. And so research actually shows that many, of the, many black women don't have as easy access to contraceptives as politicians are, are led to believe because they're, they're looking at old data or they're looking at biased data. But when we look at pure numbers, there are many black women who don't have access to birth control. Additionally, there is also research that shows that the contracept that black women, um, actually the, the rate of success with those contraceptives is low for black women because many of the stressors that are involved in being many of them living in um, socioeconomically challenging um, li- lived experiences. And so that um, decreases the capability or the ability or even the, 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 remind, the thought process to take 
the birth control regularly. So there are so many systemic issues that go into this, and we like to remove those systemic issues because it it can be misleading and it can make it seem as if it's just about being um, responsible. But there are so many more to this beyond personal responsibility. But that's what a contraceptive. Okay. They don't Thank have you. I, I just have to. I mean. So, so let's, let's not forget, abstinence is a form of contraception as well. And so, so that's, again, enough, we're getting into the bedroom. Here we go. Listen up, dog. Listen up. Listen up. So fair enough, dog. So, um, so there definitely sounds like there's some research that should be done on the act, actually if there are what is it, what you call, contraceptive deserts, from what I'm understanding. And as I think you know, what I heard you say, Latrice, is that there's data that shows that maybe sometimes people are not using the most up-to-date data. So, hey, there's a place to go search in the event, in the event that that's true, then both mm-hmm. sides hopefully can come together to address this new landscape. Because, again, there yeah. should and be and I'm I'm like sure. One in seven cannot afford birth control at any price, according to recent research. Okay, so thank you for that information. There are typically doctor's appointments that are associated with it. Even when you go to a a health clinic, they now charge. So, so, okay, so so that we're not going back and forth, I'll just say this. I'm going to talk to some of the the executive directors of organizations that I know that are supporting moms who are finding themselves in this situation and have them do Mm -hmm. some research on that and find ways to help address that. Um, but like I said, you know, that's, and that's a beautiful form of contraception. No, yeah, you got it out there. So we good on that. Here's where I want to go for, because I'm going to go for a little more time. So there's the, currently I see this bill being pushed and I want to hear, you know, kind of both your thoughts on it, but the unborn child support act, if we could just kind of get into that from the perspective, because we asked, is this a yeah. woman's only, um, you know, position right when it comes to abortion? And so, here has been my personal thought. I said I was going to bring in some of my personal thoughts. So my personal thought in the past has always been that prior to, in a sense, this new landscape, I never thought it, in a sense, was okay that, in a sense, this decision could be made with or without the father. Um, Latrice, I know in the past you've agreed with that. I'm, I'm guessing, Janelle, you would agree with that as well, right? And so now that we're exploring this new landscape of unborn child support act is being pushed. Um, either one of you feel like you can explain that to the, to, if it's just in case somebody out there listening hasn't heard what that is, either one of you would like to jump on it and at least explain well, I, what it is. Well, I do have a question real quick. Are you talking okay. about, because uh, I know inside the heartbeat bill, there's a, um, there's a, there's a responsibility for the father too to the unborn child. Are you referring to that, or are you referring to something completely different? Because I, yes. I'm familiar with the heartbeat bill and what okay, that that. Okay, so in the heartbeat okay, yeah. bill, when it, well, no, 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 I want to do the unborn support first. It's the same. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, I, okay. yeah, I want to definitely want to do the so, unborn Rubio support, and Kramer. Unborn child support act. Let me get it correctly. Go ahead. Um, it, is this the bill that Rubio and Kramer um, are putting forth? Uh, let me um, pull Marco up the and who's behind it. They want expected mothers to be able to receive support um, so that they can care for the well, they can help to care for the well-being of um, yeah. the unborn. Um, yeah, well, that's, that's, that's inside the heartbeat bill, which is why I think it's the same concept. It's just I, I was going to explain what the bill that's actually in. This is in, in all. I mean, this is a policy now. So here in Georgia, you are the father. I mean, the mother can um, 
can can ask for child support while she's carrying the child. Okay. And um, but if for some reason the baby's born and the child is um, and it turns out that they do a DNA test and the child is not of his and he's been paying this money, the mom has to pay him back with interest. So this is to make sure that the mom has financial support while carrying the child. That's okay. that's part of the heartbeat bill, so that is in place right now in the state of Georgia. So this okay. is at the federal level that they're doing this, so they want to make this a federal bill, if you will. Um, yeah, and I support it. And, and I don't have an issue with it. If we're going to um, mm-hmm. apply personhood to a fetus, then child support should absolutely, absolutely apply. Now, when we say personhood to a fetus, are we referring to the a heartbeat? Because I know, I know a lot of times I'm, I hear that um, a, a child is not viable until he can sustain itself on his own, but I know some toddlers that can't survive without their mother. So I, I, I would like to have more clarity around that as well. You know, let, let's not let's not do the word the the, the word. I'm sorry. Olympic. You said a, a, a child a child can breathe on when it when a child is born and they take that first breath. They're capable of breathing. Now there are children who are born with illnesses that require them to receive respiratory aid. We we both know. That. Okay, so um, okay, no, no, this is good. Let her finish. Let her finish. Yeah, now let each other finish. Go ahead. Go ahead, on Janelle. Go ahead, on. No, I said this is good because I've heard that that statement a lot, but I didn't know that we were referring to if the child can breathe on its own. Because I, again, I believe that if life ends with it, when a heartbeat stops, it begins when the heartbeat starts, right? But what I'm hearing is, in which I, I hadn't heard that before, that viability is determined by whether or not a child can breathe on its own. So would that mean that you're in support of abortion up to nine months? No, and and don't 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 put words in my mouth. I was I was no, explaining not, one not, point. No, and as far yeah, as, I really was just as asking. Yes, yeah, you just asked. As far yeah. as when a when a when a heartbeat can be detected, there is no finite answer. And also, oftentimes, huh? can a woman can a redefine? So you, right. So can you just um, tell her when all, when you're often, Just tell her when you. I'm sorry. She sincerely asked. She didn't when she heard it that way. She said she never heard yeah. it before. So she was just sincerely mm-hmm. asking, "What do you mean by that?" She's never heard that before. So just tell her when you mean. Yeah. And so what do you mean by viability? Yeah, she was sincerely asking about the nine months. So because I understand that, mm-hmm. okay. they right. just asking. Right. You should have said that's often that's well, well. The subsequent question is is what yeah. But, but don't, don't about whether or not. Just answer, yeah, just answer. Yeah, just answer. All that's right. Um, no, I do believe that a woman should, cause, because a heartbeat can be detected, can't be, you know, can be detected early enough. Like in Georgia, I, I don't know what the, the actual number of weeks is, but a heartbeat can be detected, you know, around six weeks. But oftentimes, women may not know even know that they're pregnant at, by that time. There, were, when I had my children, I think in one instance, I didn't know I was pregnant until I was almost two months because I didn't experience any symptoms. And so I think when we start getting into that, but we do have to look at when a, when, when a fetus can, can understandably be viable outside of, of a woman's womb. And, and, and I'm not, and I'm, I'm not um, for, a, for late-term abortions. I'm not. Because if that child oh, okay. can be born and, can, and can, can sustain life, has the cellular mm-hmm. um, 
composition, all of those things in place, you know, with some medical assistance to sustain life. I'm absolutely for that. But I think that we've gotten, Mm -hmm. we've Mm -hmm. taken this into Mm -hmm. a theological area, and we're not a theocracy. And so we shouldn't allow that, those definitions, and 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 even if there's no, those definitions aren't even in the Bible, though. So we don't need to... um, to allow those things to inform our policy making. All right. So, like, so I, I, I am not just so you know, Montoya. I don't. I'm, I, even though I'm, I'm a Christian, I'm not looking at this from a theological perspective. I'm looking at it from a scientific perspective because an ultrasound can detect a heartbeat, and so we know that. And when it comes to the six weeks, this is another question I have: is around chemical abortions, right? So, chemical abortions, which is the abortion pill. Um, you can't take an abortion pill up to 11 weeks, right? Majority of people who take um, the abortion pill take it right around six weeks, which means that women, 54% of all abortions are chemical abortions. So that means 54% of the women who have taken this um, pill knew they were pregnant within 11 weeks of, of conception. And majority of those fall within that six-week mark. So there are a number of women who do know that they are pregnant at the six-week mark. So, but, but the heartbeat, I heard some people say that the heartbeat is not detected at six weeks, but the way I see it is the ultrasound can detect a heartbeat, and that's a scientific method of detecting if life has began. And so I... Yeah, no, that's all. I, mean, I just want to... I just, so, again, again, not to take this down that road, but... I like to hear what the term is viability because, you know, like in in the same way you're saying that we don't know when the heartbeat is. And I'm like, well, that's, that's not true because we do, we have a a ultrasound machine that tells us. And then then, at the same time we're talking about being able to breathe on their own, which doesn't require, I mean, it does require a heartbeat, but it's not at the beginning, obviously. Let me try that When a, when a, I believe that a woman should be able to have an abortion up to a point for when, except up to when the fetus can be viable outside of the mother's womb. That is what I believe. So if they have a heartbeat in the womb, then that's not considered a human. If if they have a heartbeat at six weeks, can a six-week fetus be viable outside of a mother's womb? Okay, so that's what goes back to the breathing statement. So you're saying that if a child can breathe on their own, then they're considered viable. That's part of being viable, but I also say that, no, I said can, there is actually finite science behind when a fetus or a baby is viable outside of a mother's womb. It's a fetus, in my opinion, until it can breathe outside of, it it can be viable outside of a mother's womb, and that is around the 24-week period. All right, listen. So what's the medical term for, this is is a genuine question. I just want to know what's the medical term for a baby inside the womb. I thought a fetus was also the baby in the womb. Janelle, Janelle, please. Here it is. (laughs) These convers- this is a conversation. I think we're having a respectful conversation. Right, I think people want to hear a respectful conversation. Your position is six weeks. I think we just heard her position is 24. So I don't want to have a dialogue on trying to make that meet. Now, I don't want to have a dialogue on who's right about it. Your, your position is six weeks at the heartbeat. We we got an answer. Okay. I thought it was a very good question of what she thought was right. Okay. You know, have, you know what I'm saying? So I don't want to go into arguing over who's right about it. I just want to get both sides heard because I gotta get my piece off that 
that that ask the same thing, but I'm thinking of it from a layman's standpoint. I don't know what the weeks are or whatever, but people see it differently. So that's fair, and that's what we're leaving out there. You see it one way, she sees it another way, if that makes sense. All right, so with that said, I'm going to share a piece from my upcoming book, Re-Education of the Negro, which is something I wrote prior to Roe v. Wade being decided, and I want to hear y'all thoughts on it, because in my opinion, it kind of pushes both sides to have a dialogue. So we got about nine minutes. We're going to get this off before we have, you know, Janelle have to go. Thank you again, Queen, for being with us. But let me share this piece very briefly with everyone, and uh, I want to hear both of your thoughts. Janelle, we'll actually start with you. Okay. All right. Yeah, are you going to read the piece? Yeah, I'm going to share real quick so everybody in the audience can hear Okay, yeah, okay, okay, okay. All right, here we go. So, again, this is from my upcoming book, Re-Education of the Negro. It was a piece on abortion that I wrote a couple years ago. I'm pro-life, but I'm not sure I understand the logic behind forcing other people to have children they don't want. How can that be good for the child to grow up in an unwanted environment? Some say they can put the child up for adoption, but plenty of African-American children aged out of the foster care system. Why? Because no one ever wanted them. Although some think you should never abort a child, most will make an exception for rape, in which case they don't expect you to have an unwanted child. However, if two people act irresponsibly to bring forth an unwanted pregnancy, many want to mandate they have this child, basically as a consequence of their bad behavior. How does this benefit the child if the child grows up in an uncaring environment? An uncared child will often grow up feeling undervalued and repeat the sins of their parents. I am a pro-lifer who would honor my responsibility and raise my child in the event of an unwanted pregnancy. However, I also believe if the woman I impregnated desired abortion, I would disagree with her, but that decision should be between myself and that woman alone. Abortion should not be anyone else's decision, especially not the government's, but, but any pro-choice advocate who doesn't include me as a man in the decision. Um, your thoughts, Janelle? Again, I'm just intentionally trying to create mm-hmm. dialogue, not have you agree or disagree. Yeah. yeah, well, there's there's a lot of things I could touch on in that, but, like, for the sake of time, I'm just going to touch on the um, decision is between the man and the woman and not the government. I, 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 absolutely, I 100% agree with that. Um, the government has to be a part of this discussion now because of the fact that we um, are paying for it. Um, if, if I think that maybe people think that it really only costs about three hundred to five hundred dollars per um, per abortion in order for this to happen, but it doesn't because when you factor in salaries, when you factor in um, when you factor in the, the the cost of materials, and the list goes on and on and on, it actually comes up to way more than that per abortion. So no one's actually paying for their abortion, right? That's being subsidized by the government in most cases. I know Planned Parenthood gets a lot of money from the government and subsidies in order to support these abortions. So the government has to be a part of it because there's a lot of our money that's in it, right? So if I am a, even though I'm pro-life, I'm, a lot of my tax pay, my tax dollars is going towards supporting this issue. So that's why I do believe that the government has a, a discussion around this. And by, by backing out of this, what's really happening, when the government says, okay, I'm going to put all personal responsibility on you. I'm no longer going to subsidize a decision that's solely up to you, that man and that woman. That is giving you the choice. That's giving you all the power back. 
And so I, I, I there, like I said, there are other things that I can touch on, but I want to make sure I'm clear that, you know, saying that the government is, 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 is forcing tax dollars to cover abortions is exactly what you're saying you're not in support of, which is having the government involved. But the government has to be now because we are, you're now using our money. So, I mean, it's no choice. I would love it if we remove government 100% out of this decision, meaning that we're not subsidizing anything. We're taxing, not one tax dollar is going towards one abortion. And in order to do that, that means we have to put 100% responsibility on you. So, so if you can find a way to have abortion without the support of um, the government, then, I mean, that, hey, that's free. That's freedom. I got you. <laughs> All right, Latrice, your thoughts to this piece? Again, just again, I just make the piece to invoke conversation. Your thoughts when you um, heard this piece? Um, I, I I agree with your piece. Um, I think I don't think that is anyone's business, but those that are involved in the, the creating of that child think that the government is overreaching. And when I look at data, the vast majority of folks in this country actually want access to abortion to remain available to women. So it's a small um, minority of folks who are making the decision about um, what the majority of us believe, making the decision against what the majority of us believe. And, and let me ask you a quick question about that. Point. Sorry to interrupt you. Sorry to interrupt you. It's mm-hmm. a quick question because um, I, okay. I, I want to get a little familiar with what you just mentioned from the standpoint of my my 1,000-yard view of this conversation is the world is almost 50-50 split on it. Like 60% of the world um, would have abortions similar to the United States and another 40% doesn't. I've always thought that this is one of the most 50-50 issues historically in our country. So I'm a little surprised to hear you mention that it's a, a, a smaller majority. So I'm just want to hear a little more info about that because my, my glance sure. Countries about 50-50 on it, 60-40 maybe. 62% of Americans say abortion should be legal in all or most cases. Okay, so that's so similar to what I thought. So when you, say, so when you have to say when you cast it as a small that's majority. That's the majority. That's what I'm saying. You have the minority. Okay, Wait, okay no problem. No problem. Yeah, when I heard, i just tell you, when I heard you say it, it sounded like you were saying it was a smaller minority than that. So it is about 60-40. And it's kind of always, it's really about a 50-50 split. It's almost kind of like the Roe v. Wade decision got made based on some, you know, this issue having been a 50-50 split, really worldwide. Just kind of, I just wanted to kind of put that out. I don't agree that that's a small minority when you see 50-50, 60-40. I don't think that's a small minority. But go ahead and finish your thoughts. That, mm-hmm. that stood out to me when you did it. It's a minority nonetheless. Yeah, I can respect that. I can respect it being a minority. I am feel it. But a small minority is a different conversation than me. But go ahead, Quincy. Um, I forgot my train of thought, so you can go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Sorry about that. But that just stood out to me. Right. I, just, I just wanted to highlight that this issue has been this way for a long time, not only in the United States, but, but worldwide. You know, so I just wanted to throw that out there. But, um, Janelle, thank you for coming on this mm-hmm. morning. We've got a couple of minutes. So I want you to let people know how they can follow you on social media and anywhere else you want to let people know how they can keep up with you. Because, again, I know you wear many hats. 
So I want to thank you for coming on and being a willing participant in the discussion. I hope you can understand. Again, I was just really trying to move through the dialogue versus getting stuck on certain points. I wasn't trying to, in a sense, cut you off just for that reason. I really want to just kind of keep it moving. So hope, I hope, I hope you can understand that. But with that said, let people know how they can stay, follow you and keep up with you. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I I just love I love to talk about the tough things. Um, and so I appreciate you, Montoya. I appreciate you, Latrice, um, for for having this conversation. You can follow me at um, I am Janelle K. I am underscore Janelle K on on Twitter and Instagram. Um, Janelle King on uh, Facebook, and then you can always just Google Janelle King. <laughs> and um, you can tune in on Sunday uh, morning at Fox Five Atlanta at eight thirty a.m. This Sunday, I'll be on the Georgia Gang. Love it, love it. We had a caller that wants to get in. We'll get you in after the break. We are going to the top of the hour break. We did an hour free, commercial free. So again, thank you so much, Janelle. Latrice is my now putting on her full co-host hat, and so she's going to help me <laughs> dialogue as we do a reaction to this first hour. I'm bringing on two brothers to hear some male perspective on what they just heard from both of you. So, Janelle, hopefully you get a chance to keep listening. I know you can't stay on with us as a guest, but I um, definitely appreciate you. And the caller, we will start with you coming out of this first break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Truth Seekers, please understand, Mental Dialogue is much more than just a talk show. Each and every Saturday, we communicate with you for two reasons, to dialogue and connect. On the dialogue side, we cater to you intellectual outcasts who feel you have no place for honest discourse on race, sex, culture, and African-American business. On the connect side, we've created a community where you can connect with experts specifically in finance, whether personal or business, and mental health, whether it's trauma or to optimize performance along with all the other skill sets from other MD community members. Our mission was to create a virtual nationwide neighborhood where African Americans learn to trade ideas, goods, and services through social media, meetups, and this podcast. To become a neighbor of the Mental Dialogue Community Club, please visit us at mentaldialogue.com. We are better with you than we are without you. We can be neighbors even though we don't live next to each other. Hashtag raise the culture. purchase or sell a home in Atlanta's competitive real estate market, there's only one real estate agent we call on, Ephraim Abdullah. Not only is he honest and straightforward, but he has a proven, repeatable strategy that consistently gets his clients the homes they wanted versus their second or third choice. What's Ephraim's secret? His virtual on-the-spot offer moves his clients to the front of the line for purchases and for sales, his no-nonsense approach gets your home sold and off the market. For a results-oriented real estate experience, contact Ephraim Abdullah, a licensed agent powered by EXP Realty at 770-800-7922. Again, that number is 770-800-7922. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Latrice Ross. Again, thank you, Queen, for holding me down. I got to bring on a couple other guests here. Let me pull them up and introduce them as we hear the male reaction. I'm going to um, bring them, introduce them, and we'll get to you callers on last 306 as soon as we can. All right. I got my brother Ephraim Abdullah, if you will, King. Thank you for being with us and tuning in for the first hour. 
So um, appreciate you, brother, for being here. Got a lot of background noise, just so you know. <laughs> okay, still got background noise. I just stepped out. Now you're good to go now. Now you're good to go. Just want to say hello to you, brother. Good morning. How y'all doing? All right, I also got Brother William Dorsey on the line with us right now. Uh, thank you, King, for being with us as well. And so uh, um, you were a first-time guest to the show, William, so if you will say hello to the intellectual outcast. And I'll be curious, for you being a first-time listener and listening to the show, what were your initial thoughts to Latrice and Janelle in the first hour? Again, this is just a reaction. I want to get a couple of reactions before we get to the caller. But thank you, William, for being with us today. Oh, you're definitely welcome. Um, uh, a lot of thoughts. Okay, let me. There were a lot of good points made on both sides, um, and I think it's. I call it a worthwhile discussion, but definitely opening the door for a whole lot more discussion. All right, appreciate you. Appreciate you, um, Efren. Same for you. Any what's just your initial thoughts? Anything that stood out to you? Um, and you know, just your first reaction before we go to the caller. Um, I think for me, it's probably a lot more areas that we can um, have some common ground, like you talked about, that aren't as, that aren't discussed as much, to where we can come to a real um, solution that's that's not all the way on one side or the other. No, nah, fair enough. Because here's the reality, Latrice. Um, I think you would agree with this. Um, you know. When we did this show, what, a few weeks ago, prior to this decision being made, I think we both agreed that the show we did at the time, which was, um, you know, what now? You know, if this, at the time, the question was prior to the decision coming out officially, that, you know, that leaked, when we did that show, that leaked, that the decision was probably going to come down, that the government was going to, in a sense, overturn Roe v. Wade. And at that time, I think you and I both agreed, we did a smart conversation about the idea of, what does that look like for us now, specifically to the African-American community? So in a sense, you know, with that said, um, can you just kind of speak to that idea that ultimately it does, it does us no good at this moment to argue about that decision. It's more about what do we do even though the sides are so divided 60-40, 50-50, whatever the case may be, since the country is so divided, the dialogue has to move to some common ground so that we can help the most people because it is going to be the reality in so many states that there are bans coming down. And, of course, there are going to be states that keep it legal. So it's never, it's not going away completely at this point. Now that it's out of the federal court and it's not being um, stopped completely, that's not the reality so what you know? So would you agree that has to be more of the dialogue? Why we even have to still have these dialogues? Because the decision is quote unquote not done. If that makes sense. Latrice, did I lose you? Oh, actually, I may have lost her, y'all. So let me go ahead and just jump to the caller real quick. Hopefully, she'll get back in. Hold on one second. Oh, I got her back in. All right. I hope you hope you heard my question. I know I said a lot there, Latrice. Again, I just wanted to yeah, just kind of. Okay. I'm sorry. Say it again. Yeah, I can hear you. I was on. I heard the whole thing. Okay, got you. Okay, it's, you dropped you for a second, so I got you back now. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, just your dialogue about why this is still important, even though this federal decision has been made at the Supreme Court level. These conversations are important because if we just stay divided, we're going to leave a lot of people hurting out here, in my opinion. But go ahead. Absolutely. Um, because let's just face it. I mean, the, the facts are that 
Black women have more than, more abortions than, than, than other races. Black women are also three times more likely to die from pregnancy-related causes. Um, we have the highest maternal, maternal mortality rate in the U.S. Um, there are issues around domestic violence that is going to worsen as a result of Roe v. Wade. Um, and many of the southern states with the trigger bans have the worst outcomes for black women giving childbirth or pregnant black women. And so there are things that we need to discuss to save lives um, because now I do expect those numbers, the maternal mortality numbers, to increase, unfortunately. Yeah, that could be a reality regardless of how either side feels about it. And that's just, you know, it's kind of just speaking to the, the numbers just based on birth rates and, like she said, mortality, infant, um, mother mortality rates. Uh, let's go to the caller real quick. Area code 678-33306. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on the, this morning's discussion. Well, uh, good uh, morning, Montoya and Trist and the guests. I was hoping that I would get the chance to speak with uh, the other young lady that was on. Uh, Janelle. Janelle King. Uh, yeah, I was hoping that I would get the chance because there's some things that she said that was, you know, untrue. Anyway, I will not dwell on that. But to answer your question, it's definitely abortion is definitely men trying to control a woman's body. Uh, and, you know, the thing about it, there were if, – if, Things were the other way around. There's no way that uh, men would just sit back and allow women to tell them what to do with their bodies. And let me give you an example why I say that, that they're trying to control women. And it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate more men aren't involved in this abortion debate. But anyway, for the states restricting abortion, they're telling women that they can't even leave their state of, of a resident and go to other states and have abortion. So now they are trying to prevent women's movement. And telling a woman that she cannot have an abortion, and Latricia pointed this out, telling a woman that she can't have an abortion under six weeks is nonsense because most women don't even know they are pregnant by that time. Also, no child, and, and Latricia and, and Janelle were talking, about, they were talking about this, but this is a fact. No child has ever survived under four months. So this is, this is, not, this is scientific. So, outside of the, 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 the womb. And, 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 and another thing that uh, this big debate about, is it a child or it is a cell? It absolutely is a cell. And a woman, there was a woman that pointed this out cleverly this week when she got pulled over by the police. And she was like, listen, I'm pregnant. You know, she was in the HOV lane. She's like, I'm pregnant. So, this, you know, you, you, you guys claim that this, you know, it's a person. So there's two people in this car. And they gave her a ticket. And now we have to make a decision. If that's the case, if it's a child, is it a child or is it not? Because if it's a child, it has the same rights. Tax break. That child, that pregnant woman should be allowed to claim that child and her taxes. So, you know, I think they're being disingenuous when they say things like, it's a child, and we care about the child, but at the same time, and not to stray too much, but at the same time, you're cutting off all these social programs for women, health care. You know, you are 
early so childhood. So say it and come back to the point, you know what I mean, if you don't mind. So, yeah. I'll like oh, yeah, sure, sure, sure. So, because uh, I'm, I'm curious to hear what our special guests, both both the men, your first thing you said, so I'll keep you on for a second, brother, um, but I'm very curious, and Tennyson comes on and says that this is a man trying to control a, a woman's body. Um, Ephraim, I'll start with you. Um, do you, how do you take that? Because if you're, I don't know, in the first hour, that's something that I'm still trying to wrap my head around, um, and Latrice definitely gave me some history that I, I wasn't aware of. So, how do you hear that as a man? Are you are, are we trying to control their bodies with this um, with with abortion? In your opinion, because says is definitely that. I wanted to hear you know what you think of it as a man as well. Well, especially with some of the with the, some of the things that he brought up, some of the points he made, and some of the points Patrice made earlier, um, I have to consider that. Uh, I mean, definitely about uh, it, it makes no sense to tell somebody they can't go to another state to have something done. I can go to another country and have certain medical procedures done because of whatever reason, they're less expensive or whatever. So now you're telling me if a woman wants to have an abortion, she she can't go to another state legally without the threat of being persecute, uh, prosecuted um, for doing so. That's that's extreme and, and ridiculous to me. Uh, I mean, this, this debate or this conversation has so many different levels and layers and nuances that it's just, I mean, it, it, it's just difficult to have, you know, in one or two or three or 20 uh, conversations. But it's, in my opinion, there has to be so many things to take place that, uh, I mean, basically I fall on the side of, I'm, I'm kind of like you, my dear. I, I don't, I guess I would be considered sort of a libertarian um, in the standpoint that, I don't think the government should be involved in a whole lot of different things, and this is one of them. Uh, if two individuals procreate and they produce uh, an offspring, then those individuals should be the ones to really ultimately make the decision since we don't live in a perceived. And even within, I've told you before, you know, be being Muslim, there are even exceptions in Islam. There, there, and I think Islam may be the only religion that actually defines when a fetus becomes a human being. And so that is around that uh, four-month mark where it says that the soul is actually breathed into the fetus at 120 days. So according to Islam, there are some scholars that say before that period, abortion is not not um, recommended, but it's, it's allowed. And it's something that's not looked on favorably. But in a sense, and I was talking about um, mortality rates where women are, you know, black women are more likely to have complications and possibly die during childbirth. In Islam, oh, the, the life of the mother is absolutely um, valued greater than the child at any point in that pregnancy. So if the mother's life is in danger at any time, and, and there's a decision to be made on which one will survive, the mother or the child, and it's, it's 100% the mother at all times. So I don't think we can have uh, a situation where – I don't think we should have a situation where you're saying that we people, women can't do this, and ultimately it's up to them. And, it, I mean, even if, even if you look at it from a religious perspective, it's between them and their, and their creator, you know, at the end of the day. 
what they decide to do. And it's, it's not for us to say you, you can or you can't and to make it illegal and make it more difficult and make it, you know, all these different things for, for some, but, I got a whole lot more. But I'll no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to jump to I want to jump to William if we can. So, William, your thoughts, um, King, in the idea that Tennyson comes on and says, "Hey, this abortion issue, uh, if you if you are in a sense pro life, and the, you know the states that do decide to in a sense put some type of ban on abortion, it is men trying to control women's body." I just want to hear your perspective as a man. Do you see it as such? Yeah, in a sense, yes, but the, uh, being a, a retired sociology prof and uh, all of that kind of good stuff, the thing I look at is the it's a question of, of the group power, not individual men. Um, and, I mean, this is a, a political economic system and a, actually a, a whole Western European cultural system in which uh, males are dominant in terms of power, in terms of prestige, in terms of wealth. So the, uh, the, the fact is that it's a bunch of males in legislative positions in states and the federal government that are deciding what women should do or what can be done with their own bodies. And that also fits into a, like an anthropological thing about it. going back to this whole thing of a group analysis of patriarchy or ruled by males. And uh, again, the reason that the group perspective, see, we're like uh, the, 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 the way of setting up a cockfight in uh, the Western European nations that found that to be a good sport. Uh, the, the, the two birds, the people, hold, the, people the, the owners of the two birds uh, hold them and slap their faces together and get them picked off at each other, then drop them off into a close ring. Uh, and the way they fight is they fly and kick. What the men do is they attach uh, razor-sharp um, blades that curve upwards so that each time a bird kicks, it's slicing the other bird to bits. Right. And that's kind of what uh, always in my, in my classes, I would always point out to people that that's the way that this particular society actually does tend to set things up. It's me, it lets you and him fight, that kind of thing. So in general, in a, in a general sense, in a power sense, definitely. In an individual sense, I go with pretty much what uh, Latrice and, I, I, I'm sorry, I forgot the word already. The, uh, the other I, go, I go with that thing, that that is between those two people. Okay. Now and I'll leave that at, that at this point. Now, thank, you for that. thank you for those thoughts. I got another caller as well. Let me highlight this. So um, I think Brother Williams, Latrice, if you will, bring something to the table. He says, hey, hey, we're in this system. It's mostly men making decisions. When I hear that, here's what popped in my mind, and I think he did help me with, I'll say this personally. Again, this is just trying to understand it. So um, William made the distinction of it's different for, the, in a sense, the group versus the individual. And I think, um, again, you gave me some context, Latrice. I think – what I was struggling with as an individual, I'm just like, how is it me, you know, me as a man wanting to, but let me just throw this in and just hear your thoughts before we go to the call, to, um, let Tennyson give a final thought and go to the next caller, was when he said, hey, this is mostly men making this decision. Well, back in 73, there were more men probably in Congress than there are now who made a whole totally different decision. So, 
So I'm just kind of challenging the context of it getting put in a man versus woman um, dynamic. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just doing this to kind of push push the thought, and I would want to hear your response to me when I heard William say that. I'm like, well, it was more men back then that made a different decision in 73. So is it really men trying to control woman, women? I'm not I'm challenging Intention. I'm not, you know, from my personal standpoint, but I'm just being intentional to hear your response to that. It, it absolutely is, and regardless of the fact, um, if we you you can't really talk about that part of it without getting into the political part of it. When Roe okay. v. Wade was was ruled ruled into law, the Federalist Society went into action immediately. There were secret meetings, and then Clerk Alito was called into that meeting to become a part of the Federalist Society. So as soon as Roe v. Wade was made a law, they went into action. And over the course of nearly 50 years, they've been cultivating what right. the outcome that we have right now. And the right. Federalist Society is predominantly men. So, yes, okay. it's men. So it's I definitely just operating yeah. behind the scenes. Okay, got it. So that makes sense. It's fair. Um, Tennyson, I'm going to give you one last thought, and i got to go to another caller. But thank you for calling in, King. Tennyson, oh, I'm sorry. i got to bring you back live. All right. Give, me, uh, give a final thought, brother. Thank you for your um, calling in this morning. Yeah, well, you know, one of the unfortunate thing about this abortion debate is that when you say no restriction, I mean, I can understand from both uh, political parties I can understand their position. If you're saying, though, that a woman cannot have an abortion under a certain time, when you talk about six weeks, that's where the problem comes in. Because are you saying in some states there are no exceptions? That's where the problem comes in because we're having a problem with rape, incest. We're having a problem with some women, some people not getting the proper drugs that they need because those drugs are also used for other uh, ailments. And because it's this, this same drug is used for abortion, there's, there's several cases that just happened where this woman, there was an issue with her fetus, and they needed to have an abortion because the fetus right. is pretty much, it's pretty much dead. And they could, the doctors refused from going there because they were afraid of being imprisoned. This is, this is, so we're taking it to a whole other level now. So let me, let me, is that if, yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. I want to get to my next, I want to no. get to my next caller. So I'll make it quick. Okay, real quick. If we're saying, if both parties, if, if the Republicans were saying, hey, they're just too much abortion, what can we do to say, you know, uh, let's try to work together to make it less abortion? Then I could, I could see that being, oh, they're, they're generally care. Or if they're making plans to, when this baby is born, setting up these programs so these women can get all the care they need. Well, how about then this? I'm not going to go to my next okay. caller. So sure, I'm going to sure, be very sure. fair to Janelle based on a couple of things that you just said, just to be fair. And again, I'll even, you know, just kind of challenge you and let have you think about this. So if you listen to her position, I'm just talking about, since, you know, since we're reacting to the last hour, um, she even said herself, I am personally a no exception person, but I understand that how our country works. So she's fully for states that decide to allow abortion and states that decide not. Obviously, you know her side of it. But I will just throw out to you, and you've heard me say this before, um, when you shoot to the extremes, you're, you're 
your position is not as strong as it should be, like those situations where it's obvious and very dangerous and rape and incest, while there are people like Janelle who, again, she agrees with our system, so she's not even pushing for no exception personally. Just, again, that's to be fair to her, that the majority of this argument is not going to be had on those extremes. So I would just even challenge you in your dialogue shooting to the extremes of, like, I'm, 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 I know you're not making this up when you tell me that there's somebody saying don't go to other states. Right now, that's not in the news very heavy. I'm not surprised that there are people pushing that, but I would like to see that be more viable before we start shooting to the most extreme examples to have the dialogue. Oh, I hope no, I'm making that's, sense. Not, that's not extreme. That's not extreme. They're working on bills in several states to do that. They okay, even that's fair. Texas, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I, okay. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. And all I think I'm saying to you is you, there's a dialogue that can have you without even the extreme situation. There's still a dialogue to be had. Hope that makes sense. Thank you for your three cents this morning. All right, let's go to the next caller. Thank you. Yep. 803-LAST-3624. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. What's going on? What's going on, brother? Ah. Oh, how you doing? So the dialogue is the reaction to the dialogue. I'm challenging you is to what you heard in the first hour, not just simply give me your position on abortion. So if, if I could challenge people to call in and tell me what is you heard in the first hour between Latrice and Janelle that stands out to you specifically. Well, um, I'm, I hear. I'm gonna mess you up <laughs> The, the women. Well, I can understand what the women are, are trying to say, but the problem is, is they, all right. They say, well, it's the men making the decisions. No, you got to be way more specific than that. It ain't just the men. It's a specific type of man who's making these decisions. I, I would wish our women would stop being used in this battle between white people. Roe versus Wade, this decision here was to merely stop white women from having abortions so they can repopulate their their race. That's what this thing is about. Black folk are getting so emotional in this white man versus white woman battle. That's our problem. The whole reason behind the decision of Roe versus Wade, one of the main premises behind it, was a white lesbian lied saying she was gang raped by by black men. See, if we're going to tell this story, we're going to fight this story, learn the story first. So let me ask you this. This ain't about uh, us. This is about us. Take a time. Take a time. Let me ask you this. So uh, I think you're fair in a sense of the history. But how are you devoid of the reality of how this affects us? Even if you in your mind feels like this is a white man, white woman thing, because you kind of said that. The reality is abortion affects our community heavily uh, in a lot of You're ways. Right. That, so, so, so Ooh, I'm just saying, so, so, so since you, it affects us heavily, it. so here it is, since it affects mm-hmm. us heavily, then I think it would be smart not to suggest that at this point, it's just us getting involved in a white man, white woman's issue. And then I'm going to say this to you, and i got to get back to my guest. Uh, th- you know, again, I always appreciate the thoughts, Kevin. So I'm going to say, I'm gonna say yeah, this. Yeah, I'm going to say one little quick thing. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. One go little quick thing. It does affect us. Matter of fact, it affects us so much that it's killed more black people than the wars, the games, 
the, the violent shootings of, of, of people shooting each other on every weekend, it has killed more of us than anything we ever dealt with. See, that's the one. You're talking about the, deci- the decision. But you have decided to kill a lot of black people to we All right, remain you got it stagnant Let me go back in numbers. Real quick, real quick. So uh-huh. you made your point. So, uh, <laughs> two challenges, and i got to let you go. So a challenge mm-hmm. to that is um, the example I think that Tennyson gave of uh, the lady tried to drive in the um, – you know, the, in the uh, HOV lane, if you're familiar with that, where you, if you have two people in the car, you can get in the extra lane. And she said, hey, I'm pregnant. Yeah, but it's pregnant. Yeah. yeah. And so, so here's the reality that at the end of the day, even prior to Roe v. Wade, where, you, you know, a lot of people would get illegal abortions, if you will, right? Because abortions have always happened, whether you could do it legally and safely, they've always happened throughout human history. Obviously, nature has this situation where, you know, you lose babies naturally, and then you've had make that choice in a lot of unsafe manners. I'm, putting, I'm pointing this out for because of something you just said, Cal. So at the end of the day, even when women would do it on their own, let's say prior to being able to live outside the womb, let's say they found out they were pregnant and they found a way to go to someone to give them an abortion. The reality is... We've never charged those women with murder. We may have charged the person who illegally gave them the abortion since it was illegal or, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I'm just pointing it out to say we're highlighting these fetuses as people, and the reality is we don't give them the same rights. You can't be in the HOV lane. And, and women have made this decision whether they did it safely or not and still will if they don't have access to go to another state. I'm just pointing out we're calling people fetuses, and they are not the same. That's calling it what it is. And the last thing I'm going to say, and I'm going to let you go, and the last thing I'm going to say to you is the, the reality is if the whole country went 50 states, banned abortion, on to, let's go all the way to no exception or even to a certain point, the reality is you actually would have the birth rate would actually hurt white people in the sense if you tell me white people are concerned about their birth rates, well, they can look at the same numbers I can look at and clearly see that if they were to end all the abortions, then this country would become a minority majority way quicker by banning abortions. So their, their position is not one of we're trying to ensure our race stays in this country. Mm-hmm. So I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just shooting that down because that's mm-hmm. completely inaccurate. Go look it up. Go look it up. I, I will share the numbers with you now. If I didn't have a guess, oh, I would no. give you the exact number. But I got something else. Uh, 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 yeah, yeah, so thank you for that. Uh, but, Brother William, um, again, I'd let people come in and give their thoughts. But if you will, any thoughts to what the um, Kevin had to say and anything from the first hour that is moving you to speak at this moment. Go ahead, Brother William. Thank you for being with us. All right. All right. Um, the, uh, the, well, about the racial piece, there's, there's a number of things with that. Because like I say, one of the things I was, in addition to sociology, was a black studies teacher for 50 years. Um, in terms of, okay, looking at things from the group level again, the, the reality is that that can be all kinds of sanctimonious uh, pronouncements about uh, preserving black births, but there is a system in place 
that for centuries has guaranteed a high rate of black deaths. So the reality, there's, there's a certain amount of intellectual dishonesty that's involved with a lot of the manipulative um, ways of framing discussions and framing arguments and making positions that I find that the unfairness of it and the dishonesty is the first thing that bothers me. And the fact that you aren't giving people an, an equal chance to uh, have all the thoughts to make up their own mind is, is even worse than that because that's manipulative in and of itself. Okay, then in terms of the birth rate, um, I've thought for a couple of decades now that, you know, as the, uh, there's a thing called demographic transition, which has been what's been happening with white America, as any population in any country gains more and more tech, uh, economic advantage, the birth rate goes down, primarily because women go to college instead of just stopping halfway through high school and start having babies at 18 as opposed to uh, and stop having babies at 18 and start having them at 22 and 25. Uh, so the, the, in that context of the, the great replacement theory, the great replacement fear on the part of a lot of uh, nationalists, European American nationalists, is uh, and and in the in the in the tradition of that culture, that whole culture pool, that Western European culture pool for the last two thousand years, the the control of a woman's body and and getting women to pump out more and more white babies is, I think, it's patently obvious. I mean, I think you know like. Uh, uh, what uh, Ray Charles and Stevie Wonder can stand on the corner and point at it. Is that obvious? Um, now, in terms of the even uh, okay, let me mention this. One. This is a note I took early on in the uh, the, the discussion between the sisters. The uh, there was this. Uh, I think it was Janelle who mentioned. I mean, Latrice who mentioned the uh, concept that women were intellectually incapable of making a decision about their own. Uh, birthing, uh, and that that reminded reminded me of the logic that was uh, or the quote, quote unquote logic, the argument that uh, any enslaved African who sought to be mm -hmm. free was suffering from a mental illness called drapetomania, and that's just another reflection of the way that those in power use that position to denigrate and control other people. Now, let's understand that people get to be in power because those who are already in power perceive them as being acceptable to maintaining the status quo. So it's a closed loop. Mm -hmm. um, and without, um, again, without intellectual honesty, then it, it actually becomes a, a coercive, if, a manipulative, if not also coercive loop that, that is designed to, to keep people closed up. Um, let's see now. Let me kind of let Latrice jump in. If you, if you, if you, yeah, yeah, if okay, okay. Uh, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you for your thoughts. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Latrice, any thoughts to what you're hearing right now? Oh, so, so first of all, I, I knew it was, I didn't remember his name, but I knew it was that dude when he said what they were trying to say. Neither Janelle and I were trying to say anything. I think it was very clear what we were saying. Now, to the point about, because then I was waiting on someone to bring this up, to the point about black genocide. Um, that concept bothers me because, first of all, it's, it's um, as 
the, the brother said before me, it's intellectual dishonesty. Um, and it puts abortion on top of the numerous other systemic issues that impact our community. Um, it takes the focus off police brutality. It takes the focus off all of these other social determinants of health. For instance, um, the, there is an expected increase in maternal death of black women by 12%. It's already high. It's nearly 30% right now. We're looking at an increase of more maternal deaths as a result of Roe v. Wade being repealed. So we're not even taking into account that. We're not looking at how we remove the focus away from mass incarceration. We remove the focus away from how HIV is impacting black women. Um, and we miss the fact that white women will do what they've always done. When abortion was illegal, they used their privilege and their access to money or people to circumvent the laws of the land and leave the country or the state or whatever to have an abortion. We miss that point. We like to gloss over or ignore that that, that, that happens. But that is absolutely what will begin to happen again. And black women I'm sorry, go ahead. I thought you were finished. Go ahead, finish quick. I'm sorry. And I was gonna say and black women don't have many of them don't have the means nor the access to do that. No, very fair. Let me ask you about this last point because I, I, I'm always challenging. I don't think the abortion one even fits into the black genocide. And that, I didn't and hear abortion. that last part. Okay, I said I don't even think the abortion of all those factors, because I think you're absolutely right, if, if there's any validity to it, right, the idea of the black genocide, and I'm not saying it's not. I'm just highlighting that I think the abortion is the one thing that doesn't even fit. Uh, in comparison to one, all the things that you one pointed out, right? And then if you, if, if I'm hearing you correctly, even in you highlighting that white women will still be able to, in a way that African American women won't, be able to still get abortions, right? So if that is even true, and the, and you're right, it's not even if it's true. That that is true. So do you see how I'm saying because they'll still be able to get them, then it doesn't even fit into the concept of Black genocide because they would still be able to get them. So abortion is the one thing that, as as Brother Williams said, it is obvious to Stevie Wonder. I'm gonna give him some numbers to say it ain't that obvious. But even just the last thing you said, Latrice, do you see what I'm saying? That the abortion one doesn't even fit into that concept based on what you just said to us. Am I, do you follow, follow where I'm going there before I give Williams some numbers? No, absolutely, it doesn't fit. Okay. Yeah, it doesn't fit. Now let me give y'all some numbers. So they, I'm getting, this is what we do on the show, William, and I'll definitely let you respond, and after you can get in. So here's the actual numbers to how abortion works of why, again, just like to give people the correct information, and I'm not trying to be on the side, but here's the information. So what happens is currently by race, black children are aborted at 27 abortions per 1,000, 27. Hispanics abort at 18 per 1,000. White people currently abort at 10 per 1,000. Okay? The birth rates are, you guys got to compare both of them for this to what I'm saying to be very clear that stopping abortions is not helping. Again, abortions does not fit in this conversation. Like Latrice said, I'm just giving her, giving y'all some numbers to back up what she's saying. The birth rates Blacks have 54 per 1,000 to whites who only have 50 per 1,000. This is the current birth rates. Hispanics have actually six, 56 
to 50. So the, the, I know that's a lot of numbers there, but to make it clear, due to the number of abortions, if you were to stop them all, so currently we have four more children per 1,000 than whites, and Hispanics have six more children um, per 1,000 than whites. But if you were to get rid of the abortion, the blacks and Hispanics, the difference goes up much more because you would only be stopping 10 white abortions. You would be stopping 27 black abortions and 18 Hispanic abortions. So those numbers would actually increase if you were to have a broad abortion ban, no exceptions. Ephraim, you kind of hearing everything that we've been able to say can you understand kind of why I take abortion out of the concept of, and I'm not saying that there is no concept of black genocide. I'm just saying abortion has always been incorrectly put in there based on the numbers alone. How do you hear that information probably for the first time? What are your thoughts on me breaking that down? You're it makes me. sense. I mean, it doesn't. Uh... I'm going to Ephraim first, and then I'll come back to you, William. Okay. The, num- the numbers make sense. I mean, it's no wonder that the community with the highest, uh, with the lowest rates of marriage and the highest rates of um, single-parent households has the highest rate of abortions and births because it just means our community is having more unprotected, unprotected sex than anybody else outside of marriage. Um and I think this just goes back to what I've been thinking about the whole time, and nobody's brought it up yet, but a lot of the, the problems that we're talking about, including abortion and mass incarceration and police, by all these different things, um, could part of the solution is stronger communities, which means stronger families, which, you know, goes to your one of your big missions, Montoya, um, uh, marriage before children. Mm-hmm. Right. So so if we can strengthen our our communities, which means at the base level, at the at the at the foundation level, strengthening our families, then we can address many of these problems. Um and I think the the biggest problem with abortion to me is people just using it willy nilly as an as a contraception method and just using it to relieve themselves from any personal responsibility of I should be conscious of who I'm laying down with. And when I lay down with them, I should be conscious of possibility of there being a child produced. And am I ready to, um, to take care of a child? Cause I, I was growing up, abortion was legal, but it wasn't something that was, you know, commonly talked about or whatever, even though people did it, but it was the, my, my main concern as a teenager starting to become sexually active was not, um, getting a disease or anything. It was, you know, whether I was going to be able to take care of a child if that was the case, if a child was uh, the result of my activity, right? And that definitely um, made me think and and take precaution, even though not as much as I probably should have. But I wonder if without the ready access to abortion, how many people, men and women, when they're having sex with each other unprotected, would start to consider the consequences more and then better decisions as a result. 
and I'm and I'm saying I'm not one as for complete banning because I do believe that there are instances and circumstances where people uh, where it's a necessity and they should have access to it. But I'm also not one that says this should be just readily available, like going and getting some picking up some aspirin from the from the drug grocery store or whatever. It should be something. I mean. Let me let me jump in so I get back to William. Let me jump let me jump in so I get back to William real quick. On the last part, I'll just highlight if you recall. Here's the reality based on some of the data that um, Latrice brought to the brought to the table. In some places, that in a sense could be the case, but she broke down. The reality is, don't believe that it's willy nilly that you can just go get it. That's part of the issue with just health care access in general. So it's almost like I hear Latrice saying we shouldn't be naive to think that this is an area where somehow we have better access when we already know we have access issues in all other areas. So we really should consider that abortion is kind of the same. If we know we have lack of access mm-hmm. to good health care and all these other issues, you probably should also put abortion in that boat. It's kind of what I think I hear her saying. I just want to highlight that for what you just said. But to go back to you, um, Brother William, mm-hmm. I, I wanted to have you jump in on this because I know you want to, you know, in a sense, dialogue about that situation of the genocide, if you will. Can so I, I want to. Can I respond to that real quick? Uh, let me let me go. I because I, I wanted I was well, I was focused on that before we even got into that point. So let me get back to William on this point. Okay. I'll, yeah, just have to bring it back in. So William, if you will, I want to give just a, one piece of clarity. You are absolutely right about the fear that white nationalists have about this. And I had one of my other brilliant co-host on Oshun Ojo um, a few weeks ago when we were mentioning this, and she said, although my numbers are are accurate, she says, I am not, uh, she says, I definitely understand that white nationalists will be ignorant to that. And so I agree with her that white nationalists who are caught up in, you know, this race superiority stuff, I am not surprised that they are too ignorant to know the numbers. I am just offering that that group is not the one that's leading the cause that we're seeing with abortion. I think it is a mix of the theocracy, so people are just doing it out of religious beliefs, regardless of the numbers, and only the white nationalists are concerned with the numbers, but they're too ignorant to know the real numbers. This issue is one, in my opinion, does not fall in the genocide issue. Your thoughts, uh, William? Okay, I've got a, a, what a lot of people would call a, a cynical point of view in the sense that, like the last person who occupied the office of president with uh, the, the COVID um, pandemic, I noticed that once the news came out that black people were dying at a much faster rate than other ethnic groups, all of a sudden, you know, it wasn't such a big deal in terms of uh, public pronouncements and even getting a certain um, medical people, epidemiologists, to, to shut the F up. Uh, so, I mean, there's definitely a political side to that. And there's a political side to claiming it as a black genocide, too, because that's that's just another manipulative thing, um, like, like I was talking about before. As a matter of fact, uh, I forget who was mentioning that, but I mean, let me say at this point that sex education, not in the sense of just strictly uh, heterosexual or whatever, but in terms of emotional maturity, sex education. I, I remember uh, uh, 
for a minute, uh, the university system, I taught at Atlanta Metro, and for a minute we were allowed to have um, introduction to human sexuality as uh, part of the core, which is, which is the first set of two years' courses that students can take for, for credit. Um, and in that, during that period of time, I remember um, reading how um, there was a, a that, I don't remember the town or anything, but this this was a study that was a, I think it was a suburban place. So it was all, it was all white kids, um, pretty much the same socioeconomic status. So that's almost a perfect experiment. One high school uh, began a sex ed class for, I think it was seniors, and the other one in the district didn't. At the beginning of that year, the rates of venereal disease, teenage pregnancy were pretty much the same between the two. And the, at the end of that first year, the school where there was, where there was actual sex education being provided, and it was, it was obviously more than just the mechanics or the biology of it. It also had to, had to do with the emotional uh, uh, maturity, maturity aspect. The uh, rates of all of those were, were markedly down, and the other high schools were staying the same. So information is demonstrably, has already been proven over and over and over again to be what's important. But information is generally not the point when people have a certain attitude that they have the right or even the duty to manipulate others who are not quite as sophisticated or educated as mm -hmm. they are. So, no, uh, I think, okay, I want to say that. Oh, no, I, was, I, yeah, I thought you were wrapping up. I was going to let Latrice jump in because I think in what you just said, I think that's something, you know, that she's in a sense. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, can, I, I, know, I, mean, I know we're tired on time. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. No, 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 yeah. Um, Latrice, I think, um, I think what I'm hearing William say is kind of along the lines of something I'm always hearing you say. You're real big on the information aspect and kind of let people make their own decisions. Because what I think I hear William saying, I think he's and he's right about this, especially when it comes to anything that gets politicized. You're going to be see so much manipulation that it's kind of hard if you don't study it to make your own decision. You think you're making your own decision, but I think to William's point, quite often you're hearing you're you're getting you're getting manipulated versus, as he just pointed out, typically when people have the information, humans are pretty smart at making better decisions. So I, you know, that was the one common ground I think you and even Janelle had was the idea of getting that information. I don't want to wait till a senior year because I think that's way too late based on when I got started. You should have gave me some sexual education way sooner than my senior year, but I'm just being a little funny here. But go ahead, Latrice. Any thoughts to what William just brought to the table? I absolutely agree. And, and I, you know, just to it's a couple of points that I, I made note of um, is that we often, I often hear people say that, um, People just use abortion as, contrace as, as contraception. That's not true. Half of the women who get abortions actually use contraceptions. Mo mo the majority of women getting abortions have not had a previous abortion. So that negates that statement. Women aren't just using abortion as contraception. And that actually ties to that concept, that idea that women aren't intellectually capable of making good decisions for their lives. Let me ask a quick question, quick question, quick question, quick question. So um, when you say half, right, so I'm just talking mm -hmm. about sort of, sort of 
there is a portion of people who do do it. And so I think that's what highlights people saying it. So I don't think somebody like even Ephraim saying that. And I remember, and I definitely know a couple of people who personally used it as a contraceptive, like they admitted to it. You, you already spoke about those outliers. Though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, not bringing, I'm not bringing two extremes to make a, I'm, 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 not, I'm not doing the, I'm not doing what, what, what I, what I would right. say don't do. I'm just bring, I'm bringing it up just to highlight this. So I just wanted to highlight more so that they're saying it because of their relative experience, not the idea of, a woman can't make a decision. Right. You just want to let you know that that's probably what's leading right. that so, comment. So, right. I just want to bring that to the table. I'm not, right, yeah, and I understand why, but what that does say. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yep, go ahead. Okay, and so I also wanted to add that since we were talking about contraceptive deserts, that 19 million women of reproductive age in this country live in contraceptive deserts. 1.2 million women in need live in counties without access to a single health care center that provides the, the full range of contraceptive services. Additionally, um, that across these United States of America, up to 53% of the population lives in a community where there is, where there, where there is no government-offered family planning services whatsoever. And with people of color, um, many of us living in low-income areas, we are most adversely impacted by this. So these are real numbers. These are real, this is real data. And so we need to move away from this is genocide or whatever the argument is. This is really about access to health care, which we know is a problem in our community. Alfred, what do you think of what you just heard? I just want to just kind of hear your first thoughts. And here, let me just add this little context as well. Because what I hear 53% of women, you know what I mean? That's a lot of women considering how this, again, argument is had kind of without this information. So that is a lot of women, and we know whatever the numbers are, they're going to adversely affect our community for the reasons that she just mentioned. But the other part of the reason, just in my mind, just even me respecting this just from this standpoint, the reality of whether we want to agree, while it takes two people to make a, a, a child, if you will, we know that the burden is on the woman. So when I hear these numbers, they're real to me, just in the sense of as much as my mother, Phyllis Smith, saved, you know, my life by just making sure I, you know, used condoms and I pretty much listened to her. Like, she beat it in my head. So I'm pretty sure in those places there are a lot of boys, in a sense, who have access to condoms. But the reality is when it comes to access, this ends up being a woman's issue because the burden is on those ladies. So when you hear that information, how does it hit for you, um, brother, just hearing these numbers that Latrice is bringing to the table. Well, I know there's access issues, and that's something we can't discount at all. Uh, but I still say that um, if we – I mean, some of these issues can be addressed with, one, like William said, education. I mean, we start early. I don't know why these uh, sex education is taken out of schools. I mean, maybe it's for the purpose of, uh, I mean, the nefarious purpose or whatever, conspiracies or whatever people want to think about. But, I mean, that's a, that's a huge thing. I mean, it's something he said is proven. Just bring sex, sex education back in. But when she says that there's access issues to health care, I know that exists. But at the same time, there's 50% of women that have abortions um, who are not using contraception because, I mean, she says 50% are using contraception. 
So, and and our rates of abortion are higher, one and a half times the Latino and more than double the white population. So there's obviously some access that we're having when it comes to abortion. I mean, and personally, like you said, personal experience, I know of people who, you know, they weren't in the situation where they're in, a, in poverty or um, in areas where there was no access or whatever, and they did use abortion as a, a contraception, so to speak. Um, but there's, there is and there isn't a lack of access, it seems, from the numbers. You know what I mean? So But some of us do have access to health insurance, like I do. I have great health mm-hmm. insurance, but there is a large number of us that don't. Um, and, and also there are, it's over 50% the number of women who are getting an abortion for the first time. So that, that means that it's over 50% of those, it's their first time getting an abortion. So they're not, you, those women, if it's their first time, they're not using it willy-nilly for, for contraception. But there are no, women that enough. do. I know so yeah, people so the that question, Right, so the question would be, um, if, if I'm hearing Ephraim right, is just what, what would be your dialogue for that other 50%? Not that all of them are doing it for, you know, just as conception either. I'm not saying all of them are doing that. Uh, but if it is about half, which, again, we respect that number, uh, what would be the middle ground for that other group? I think he. I think he's asking. I don't think because I don't. If I if I'm hearing you right, Ephraim, you're not even trying to say that all women are doing it or anything like that. But you all want to have dialogue right. with those who are not in the situation Latrice is laying out. You want to have a dialogue for them. Right. So what might be that dialogue, Latrice? Does that make sense? That we just want to ask for that group. What do you think we should? What do you think we should be for talking about? For the group about? that, for the group that have access to birth control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think that dialogue should be? Just as a thought. I don't think it should be a dialogue. It's their choice. It it could be for whatever reason. It could be for health issues. It could be because I'm I'm, I'm too young. It could be because I, I have underlying health issues and I, I don't want to have a baby. It could be that the father decided that he didn't want to take part of this. It could be that um, I'm in college and I want to con- complete my degree. There are countless reasons why a person makes a decision. And more often than not, a woman will really consider her options before making that decision, that, that, that choice. I think Angela Davis put there's a quote from Angela Davis, and she actually said, when black and Latina women resort to abortions in such large numbers, the stories they tell are not so much about their desire to be free of their pregnancy, but rather about the miserable social conditions which dissuade them from bringing new lives into this world. And a lot of people are choosing not to have children because of that. I love that quote. So our new landscape is now half the country might not be able to. So at least one thought on that, and I'm going to let William end the show. Just just a one quick thought on the fact that, because I think what you're saying is actual factual, but for the people that don't have that chance now, what do we say to them? Are you talking to me or William? Yeah, I was just asking. Yeah, just we had a quick thought on if a, now that if a woman now is in a state where she can't get one, what do we say to those women? Um, I think we need, there needs to be a, a concerted educational effort. There needs to be a concerted push to getting birth control access to those communities. Um, there needs to be family planning um, discussions held. 
Um, and yes, we need to focus on the women because for the, for for a large part of this, because yes, the women bear the brunt of the responsibility. But we also need to have conversations with the men that you also need to be become more responsible as you engage with women, because whether you choose to take up that responsibility or not, you should be responsible for what you for the decisions that you make and who you decide to sleep with. Makes sense. William, thank you for being a first-time guest. Hope you enjoyed it. I'm going to give you the last thought of the day. Got about a minute, so make it short. Thank you. Thank you, King, for being with sure. us. Thank you, Ephraim, as well. Thank you for being with us. All right. Uh, okay. The uh, first thought, I, the, this, this is the one thought I'd like to Now, to, now one to thought. You got one thought in one minute, so you might not want to do first and second. Just give, give it a vote. We only got a minute. No, I mean, this, this, is the, this is the main thing. Okay. Uh, gotcha. I, under, I appreciate the concern with um, – Abortions it make abortion itself makes me uncomfortable. Uh, to, but to me, the solution is again going back to the point of why why do why are there so many situations where abortion is needed, and that has to do with education. The reason to me that uh, sex ed is taken out of the schools is because it's much harder to indoctrinate people when they have knowledge. So if you take the knowledge out, then you can throw all kinds of scare tactics and emotional things in and have an advantage, again, over manipulating people. Hey, great way to end the show. Thank you all for joining us today. We'll see you all next Saturday. All I ask is that you think. Take it easy.